Thank you for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. Our mission is to create space for all people to experience the compassionate love of the Father and to discover the calling He has for their life. Please enjoy the message today, recorded live inside the Wilson Performing Arts Auditorium at Platte County High School in Platte City, Missouri. Good morning. We've anticipated this day for a long time. I, I can't even begin to explain to you how excited I am. I'm going to probably preach a million miles an hour. So hold on, because for one, we've got to make sure that we are out of here right on time today so that we can put all this stuff away and we can get to the party. The food is warming up. The animals are ready. The baptism water is ready. It's going to be amazing. So thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the Calling Community Church. My name is Pastor Brady Testorf, great to, to be a part of this. We've come so far in the last five years, and we've got so much further to go. And so thank you for being a part. All right, so right after service, right after we're done, I want you to grab your kids. If you have them, don't leave your kids, all right? Take them with you, all right? So take them with you, and we're going to go out to Red Barn Farm. And you're going to need to go out to Interstate 29, go north to Exit 20, Take the exit, go left, and follow that around to Highway 273. You'll see the signs for Weston. Take a right exactly three miles. You'll see a left-hand turn for Red Barn Farm. Turn left, take a right into the farm, and you'll, you'll see it. It's going to be incredible. So we, we were out here earlier this morning. This breeze was blowing. We got it all set up, ready to go for you. Everyone is welcome. You're like, well, Brady, I didn't RSVP. I didn't make any dessert. It doesn't matter. There's going to be plenty of food to go around, I promise. And so be out there, celebrate with us. It's going to be a good time. Well, turn in your Bibles to, to the chap, uh, chapter 1 of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. And so we are going to, the next few months, we're going to go through the whole book of Acts, okay? And so the first, every Sunday of June, we're going to go through the first Acts 1 today, Acts 2 the next week, Acts 3, Acts 4, Acts 5. And then in July, we're going to take a broader kind of picture of the book of Acts and we'll finish it up throughout the month of July. So Acts chapter 1 today, I don't typically do this, but I want to do this this morning. I want to read, I'm going to read this chapter and then we're going to, then we're going to learn some stuff from it and then we're going to go. All right, so God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for this place. Thank you for all that you've done, all that you're going to do, Lord. I just can't say thank you enough. So, Father, I pray you'd speak to us through your word today. It says your word is powerful, it's applicable to all of our lives, to all of our stories. So bless us as we read it. In Jesus' name, amen. So before, before the book of Acts, you have the book of Luke, which is Luke-Acts is just one huge story that kind of blends right into one another. And at the end of Luke, it says the Messiah had told him that he was going to suffer, it said, and then, after, and then after that he's going to rise from the dead on the third day. And then it says repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Do you know that that has happened and that is still happening today? Forgiveness in his name is being proclaimed in all nations all over the world still to this day. And then he tells his disciples, you are witnesses of these things and look I am sending you 
what my father promised as for you, it says, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. So you're going to be clothed with power from the Holy Spirit. Next week, we're going to really dig into more about the Holy Spirit, what that looks like, and, and why the Holy Spirit is so important to us. And then it says, then Jesus led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was carried up into heaven. After worshiping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple praising God. So that was the end of Luke. It was right into the book of Acts. And let's start with Acts chapter 1. It says, I wrote this narrative, Theophilus, all about, it says, all, about all that Jesus had begun to do and teach until the day he was taken up, after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs. Jesus is not a fairy tale, y'all. Jesus was real, he existed, he lived, he died, and he rose again, and he presented himself to make sure that nobody could say, well, I don't know that that's really true. No, he appeared to many people, over 500 people, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. We'll, we'll unpack that a little bit more next week. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of of the earth. And praise God that the end of the earth included Platte County, Missouri, because the gospel got to us. Praise God. After he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while he was going, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? The same Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him coming. We're going into heaven. So someday, someday it's going to be different. He's going to come back and it's going to be good. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they arrived, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, and the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. They were all continually united in prayer along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers and sisters. The number of people who were together was about 120, which is probably about the same number of people that are in this room today. And he said, Brothers and sisters, it was necessary that the Scripture be fulfilled, that the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of David, foretold. So you think, well, is the Holy Spirit just now coming onto the scene? Oh, no, the Holy Spirit's been around a long time, since the beginning, all right? So it's not like it's, it's a new thing. He's just doing a different thing in the day that we're reading about right here. It says, the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of David, foretold about Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was one of our number and shared in, his, in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with his unrighteous wages. Now, um, this is not a family-friendly passage of Scripture right here. Because it says that Judas fell head first and his body burst open and his intestines spilled out. This became known to all the residents of Jerusalem so, so that in their own language 
That field was called Hakeldama, which means the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his dwelling become desolate, let no one live in it, and let someone else take his position. So they, based on this prophecy, based on what was told by the Holy Spirit to David all those years ago, they knew that they needed to choose someone else to fill his place. It says, Therefore, from among the men who had accompanied us during the whole time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up in front of us, from among these it is necessary that one became a witness with us of this resurrection. So they proposed two. Joseph called Barsabbath, Barsabbas, who was also known as Justice. I mean, does the guy need any more names? It's like he's got three names going on there, and Matthias. And they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show which of these two you have chosen to take the place in this apostolic ministry that Judas left, and this is some harsh words, to go where he belongs. Ouch. Then they cast lots for them. Now, I'm not exactly sure exactly what that looks like. Some say it was maybe dice, maybe it was a coin, but whatever it was, it was a system that they used to determine who was going to be the one be chosen. It says, and the lot fell to Matthias, and he was added to the 11 apostles. So, just a few things that we can learn from this chapter of the Bible. For one, if you look at the verse where it talks about, uh, Lord, uh, is it for you to know the times or periods? Or they're actually like, Lord, when are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Like in verse 8 or 6, I'm sorry, 6 and 7. Here's my modern day version of this question that they ask in verse 6. Lord, don't you have the internet in heaven? Have you seen the news recently? Do you know what's going on? I mean, how much longer are you going to wait until you come back? This place is a mess. It doesn't take much, right? To just look. You look on the news. You see what's going on all around us. Lord, is now the time you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Are you coming back any moment? And I'm guessing his answer would be the same to me as it's written in verse 7. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But isn't it interesting that, that from that time on, people have been guesstimating when that's possibly going to be. And people have come up with all kinds of theories. And I don't know, they thought maybe it was going to be in 2000 when we switched over <laughs> to the Y2K. Or, or maybe it was back in 1980-something, some guy predicted that Jesus was going to come back and the world was going to come to an, to an end. And since that time, people have been wondering and they've been waiting. When is that time going to happen? And let me just give you some, some quick insight from this guy named Charles Spurgeon who wrote these devotional thoughts about this passage of Scripture out of my Bible. All right, so four things about this whole idea of, like, when is Jesus coming back? And when is it going to be, all this is going to be made new again? First of all, it says, it is not possible for us to know. We may study as we will and pray as we please, but the times and the periods are not promised. At the time that Jesus was here on earth, he didn't even know the day or the hour. Now, I believe in my heart that Jesus knows now. Like, he's just waiting. Like, he's in heaven. He's waiting for the Father to tag him. And he's coming back. Like, now, is, is it now? It's, a, it's kind of a mess. Now, no, 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 be patient. Wait. Waiting is hard, isn't it? Yeah, waiting for this day has not been easy for me. <laughs> waiting is not easy for most of us. And so, it's not possible for us to know. It's not proper for us to know. It's not our work to know. We aren't prophets. We are to be 
witnesses. He tells us in verse 8, there's a, there's a veil that hangs between us and the future, right? Like we have no idea really about what's going to happen even if we get to the party. I mean, I get some expectations and I can think it's going to be good, but we don't really know. We don't, definitely don't know about tomorrow. There's like this veil that hangs here. And listen, he says, we should stand in perpetual expectation of his return, but we don't have to know when that is. Do you hear me? Perpetual expectation. Lord, I'm ready, but you know what? I trust you. I don't need to know exactly when that's going to be. I just know it's going to happen. Number three, it's not profitable for us to know. What if we had a map of the future? Would it alter our conduct for tomorrow? Spurgeon offers that it would be a dangerous gift to know. For we would set ourselves up as interpreters of the future. And he doubts that the hearers would be any more convinced than they should be right now. Even if we did know, would it really change anything? Then number four, it is not good for us to know. For it would distract our attention from the great things on which we are to think. It is, en- it is enough for our minds, listen to this, to dwell on the cross and the coming glory of the Lord. If we keep these two things distinctly before us, we will not puzzle our brains about the future. There's already enough for us to know. We have the, 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 the great uh, blessing of being able to look back and see the cross. To know about the resurrection. And to know the hope that comes when we put our faith in Him. And even though we don't know exactly what it's going to look like, we can trust this fact. That it's all under the Father's authority. That's what it says. It says there is something better than knowing the times or the periods. It is good for us to know that all things are under the Father's authority. The events will come to pass in due time. The future is all in God's hands. Do you hear that? Yes. Amen. He hears me. I don't know about the rest of y'all, but he hears me. The future is in God's hands. That should take a little pressure off of you. You know, you don't know. We don't know about tomorrow, right? Take some pressure off of you. God knows, and it's in his hands. He has it under control. So over the next few weeks, we'll dig a little bit deeper into what it looks like um, to, be, to have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. There's some people who want to have some controversy of like, well, you have to be baptized and baptized in the Holy Spirit. Some say, well, once you're baptized, you have the Holy Spirit, and we'll wrestle with that a little bit. Just trust that the Holy Spirit is present with you here right now. And that you wouldn't even be going through the waters of baptism if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit who has led you to the waters of baptism. So, a little insight, a little insight from this passage of Scripture. And I'm going to use, uh, use an illustration. He comes to them, you know, and the, these guys tell him, Hey, guys, why are you standing there looking up into heaven? You know, this same Jesus that left this way is going to come back this way. And it doesn't mean that we should stop looking up, though. Like, I want you to, as you're walking through this life, keep your head up. Not down in rejection, not down in 
oh, this is a terrible life, or this is a miserable existence, or when is Jesus coming back? Keep your chin up. Look up, child. Keep your head up. What comes up? What? Or what goes up? Must come. Jesus is coming back again. And you don't want to miss it. If your head's down and you're focused on all that's going wrong, you're going to miss what is going right in your life. Fix your eyes on him today. Thank him for all the blessings. Seek Christ in the midst of the storms. The next one. They were all continually in prayer to get united in prayer. So keep your head up and bow your head down in prayer. Be united in prayer continually, church. All great movements of God start with great prayer. Listen, I don't know if God wants to fill this church up someday, but it's not going to happen unless we pray. And who's going to pray? You're going to pray. I'm going to pray. My wife's going to pray. My wife's been praying. But it's going to happen when the church prays. When the church asks for the Lord to move in that way. To have his way in us and in this body of Christ. So we got to keep our head up. we got to look up. we got to keep our head down as we pray. And then we need to move our head from side to side. Look around you. Who needs to hear about the resurrection of Jesus? Do you know that it was necessary that they choose someone to be a witness of the resurrection? Do you know it's still necessary today that we are witnesses of the resurrection? And though we didn't see it with our own eyes, blessed are those who believe who didn't see. But we believe in the resurrection. We believe in the power of it. And we are witnesses of it. It is necessary for us to be. Just like Joseph or Sabbath justice and then Matthias. Both of them are witnesses. That was the prerequisite. They had been with them the whole time. They had seen what Jesus had done. They had seen what Jesus did for them on the cross and how he resurrected. And then they were chosen based on those qualifications. A couple quick thoughts and a few interesting facts as we finish over time. When they cast the lots, I think it was rigged. Because my, my guess is, this is just me just thinking in my own head. It's no uh, the way I would probably be. I know that when they were thinking, all right, we got these two guys. We got Joseph, Barsabbat, Justin. Like three names. That's complicated. Let's just go with something easy, like Matthias. We'll just call him Matt for short. Less work. <laughs> and then Matthias was like, oh, I, I got chosen. That was awesome. But don't get too excited because you know what happened to Matthias? Who's, by the way, Matthias' name meant gift of Yahweh. Kind of profound, isn't it? We don't hear anything more about Matthias in Scripture, but, but legends say or history tells that Matthias was martyred for his faith later on. He died. The, the lot fell on him, and he was like, yes, I won. And then he gave his life for the cause somewhere later on down the road. What about Joseph or Sabbath justice? What about JBJ? What happened to him? Do you think he feels slighted at the moment? Do you feel like he wasn't chosen? Like, what, what was the deal? Why wasn't I good enough? You know, I felt that way. Before this church got started, I went to go preach at another church, thinking if that's where God wanted me to go. And I wasn't chosen. They cast lots, and it didn't fall towards me. And I felt rejected. I was really in a dark place. I was really frustrated about just this whole calling on my life. God, I thought this is what you wanted from me. I said I would go. Why didn't you let me go? You know why he didn't let me go? (laughs) 
now you know. <laughs> this is why he didn't let me go. And I didn't know that at the time. Well, later it says that JBJ became St. Justice of Eulithorophobus or something like that. <laughs> a big, huge name. He became a saint, and you became a saint after you were martyred for your faith. Like, it didn't end well for him either. Actually, it probably ended the best way it could possibly end. Both of them were set apart to be used by God. Whether one got the lot or one didn't, they were both chosen by the Lord. My last takeaway from Acts chapter 1. Okay. Whether you feel chosen or not today, you have a role to play in the kingdom. You may never have saint in front of your name. <laughs> but can I tell you, can you hear me on this? You are God's gift. You are God's gift to your family. You are God's gift to this community, this body of Christ. You are God's gift to the place that you work. God gifted you to that place for a purpose. He has called you can you receive that? Can you hear me? Do you hear what I'm saying? I hope that you hear that. I hope that you see. You may think, God, but Brady, man, in my life, I just looked, a lot didn't fall towards me. It's like I felt like I've, I haven't been chosen this whole time. But no, 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 no. Uh, you have been. So keep your head up. Bow your head down. Move your head from side to side. Look to those who needs to hear about the resurrection. And then lastly, don't give up and keep your head in the game. Don't miss what God is doing in you right now. Don't miss it and respond obediently. Just like JBJ or just like Matthias, respond and say, yes, this is my, this is my lot. This is my calling. This is what God has, has asked for me to do. And I'm going to do it with obedience and I'm going to do it with great joy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the truth that comes through your word. Thank you, thank, you, thank you for the things we can learn from it, the way we can be inspired by it. Lord, help us to keep our eyes up, our head up, focused on you. And at the right time, God, let us bow our heads before you in prayer. Help us, Father, not to miss those who are close to us, those who are walking right by us that need to hear about the life-saving resurrection of Jesus Christ. And help us, Lord, keep our head in this game, this game called life. You have gifted us. You have chosen us. You have called us out. You've called us forth. You've got a purpose for our life. And it might be, might be someday, Lord, that we will all be martyred for our faith. We don't know. Or it might be that uh, you will come again <laughs> before any of that happens. We don't know the time. We don't know the hour. But we know you. We trust you. We worship you. And we wait for you today. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks again for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. We hope it leaves you encouraged. 
If you need more information about the church or need to talk to someone about prayer or faith in Jesus, please visit our website, thecallingcommunitychurch.com and fill out the contact form. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a blessed day.